It's Monday, March 16th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the markets had a bad case of the Mondays, but the U.S. government says it's got a plan. We'll break down what that means for your wallet. Then social distancing is the new going out. Why should you get on board? We'll explain. And finally, Catch Me If You Can meets Night at the Museum. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today, financial markets around the world had another bad case of the Mondays. This has been happening a lot lately as COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus, continues to cause major damage to the global economy. Here are just some of the ways this serious health emergency is causing some serious financial hurt, too. Travel restrictions and factory shutdowns are messing up global supply chains. Oil demand is falling with a lot fewer people traveling. With entire countries practically on lockdown, consumers are spending less. And with major events being canceled and businesses closing, people are already being laid off or having their hours cut. Put all this together and you get what we got today. It has already shaped up to be another brutal one. It was an unusually glum start to the day in the New York Where Stock stocks on Wall Street plummeted again this morning because of coronavirus concerns. In just a matter of weeks, we've gone from the stock market hitting record highs to economists predicting the U.S. could slide into a recession. So you might be thinking, someone should probably look into that. Answer, they have been. Over the weekend, the U.S. government did two major things to try and stabilize the economy. The first was to cut interest rates to essentially zero. Here's what that means. The U.S. has a central bank called the Federal Reserve, a.k.a. the Fed. It oversees banks, makes sure there's a way to pay for things, hello U.S. dollar, and also sets monetary policy. That last one's big and involves doing all sorts of things to keep the financial system running, including setting a benchmark interest rate. That's what banks pay to borrow money from each other, and it has a big impact on other interest rates, too. Increasing rates means the Fed thinks the economy's doing well enough to handle higher borrowing costs. But when things aren't looking so hot, the Fed can lower rates to encourage people to take out a loan to start a business or to renovate a kitchen, all of which can help boost the economy. We're obviously in that not-so-hot situation now, as people take money out of the markets and hoard cash. So the Federal Reserve has been cutting its interest rate. It did that once in early March and again on Sunday, lowering its benchmark rate to a range of zero to just above zero. So the Fed is basically saying, please, people, spend, lend, and invest money to keep the economy moving. For a little perspective, the last time it cut rates to near zero was during the Great Recession in 2008. The other money move the Federal Reserve made Sunday was to essentially announce a major spending spree, otherwise known as quantitative easing. Translation, when the market's really bad, a lot of things that banks are selling don't get sold. We're not talking about piggy banks or Mickey Mouse checks, but things like U.S. Treasury bonds or investment products made up of lots of home loans. Right now, those things aren't exactly flying off the shelves. So the Federal Reserve pinched its nose yesterday and said, put us down for $700 billion. Which means over the next few months, it's going to spend a cool $500 billion in U.S. Treasury bonds and $200 billion of mortgage-backed securities. For perspective, that total amount is close to the GDP of Saudi Arabia. And the Federal Reserve just promised that to try to heal the U.S. economy. So that should help, right? It could in the long run. But when we tape the show, Wall Street dropped almost 3,000 points today, a drop of almost 13%. 
That could be because the head of the Fed admitted yesterday there's not that much more he can do to stop the U.S. economy from heading toward a recession. And he also said, I can't do much to help average American workers or small business owners, which is a really important point. It's one thing to make it cheaper for banks to borrow money or for the government to buy lots of bonds, but that won't do much if people like you and me aren't making or spending as much money. That's the other part of how the government's gonna try and fix the economy that we're still waiting to see. On Saturday, the House of Representatives passed a bill to address some more everyday concerns. The bill would give some workers two weeks of paid sick leave, invest a billion dollars in programs to help people get the food they need, and guarantee free COVID-19 testing for all. All of that could help average Americans more than what the Federal Reserve did. But as of now, the Senate hasn't passed that bill, and we don't know when it will. So what's the skim? America's central bank, the Fed, went through its browsing history on Sunday. It looked up what it did to try and save the U.S. economy during the Great Recession in 2008. And it's doing that again. It's spending nearly three quarters of a trillion dollars to buy financial assets nobody else wants. And it's lowered interest rates to almost zero. But as we saw today, markets may need more of a pep talk. And now all eyes are on the Senate to see if they can pass the COVID-19 response bill that the House passed over the weekend. We should note that late this afternoon, President Trump announced more guidelines to Americans for how to slow the spread of COVID-19. Therefore, my administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible, avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people, avoid discretionary travel, and avoid eating and drinking at bars, restaurants, and public food courts. The plan is to do this for 15 days, the White House's coronavirus response coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burks, specifically pointed out to the power of millennials here. They are the core group that will stop this virus. They're the group that communicates successfully, independent of picking up a phone. They intuitively know how to contact each other's without being in large social gatherings. She repeated President Trump on this point. We're asking all of them to hold their gatherings to under 10 people not just in bars and restaurants, but in homes. We really want people to be separated at this time. For more on everything related to COVID-19, head on over to theskim.com slash COVID-19. If you were online this past week, you might have seen a lot of this. I am begging everyone to self-isolate, okay? Stay home, stay safe, wash your hands, FaceTime your friends. No more restaurants, okay? No more restaurants, forget all that. Ramona Singer, Trevor Noah, and Arnold Schwarzenegger are just some of the celebrities who took over our feeds this weekend saying, please don't go out if you can avoid it. That actually echoes what public health officials have also been saying for days. Why do experts say it's so important to take that advice? If we were just to carry on our normal, everyday lives and act like nothing's wrong, the virus would spread exponentially. But no one plans to let that happen. Instead, the CDC is saying the best way to prevent getting COVID-19 is to never be exposed to it in the first place. That means keeping our distance and ideally staying home. So why is this so important on an individual level? Because people with mild symptoms can still pass the infection on. 
This may not be about you as much as it's about protecting people who are especially vulnerable, like the elderly and people whose immune system is compromised. To make sure that doesn't happen, you're supposed to stand at least six feet away from everyone around you. According to one study of the Diamond Princess cruise ship outbreak, one infected person might be able to spread the virus to at least two other people. So what we do as individuals can have a big effect. Let's do some math here. If an infected person can infect two others, that means the infection rate can double and double and so on and so forth. One report says that if the caseload were to keep doubling every three days, by May, we could have about 100 million cases in the U.S. That's roughly one in every three people infected. So why is social distancing possibly the way to stop that worst case scenario? Because at this point in the U.S., the goal isn't eliminating the virus. It's already here. The goal now is to slow down the outbreak it causes. Experts call it flattening the curve. This was a good weekend for graphs, if that's your thing. You might have been seeing two separate charts showing what it means to flatten the curve. One chart looks like a steep bell curve, kind of like the Capitol Dome. It's supposed to represent what happens when a virus spreads exponentially. The other chart depicts a bell curve that's super stretched out. Picture the first one, but way wider and way shorter, like someone smushed it down. That's what you get when you flatten the curve. That's the one experts say is the goal here. It's longer because the epidemic might last longer. But if infections are staggered over time instead of all at once, the healthcare system won't be overwhelmed with sick people all at once. To get personal for a second, if we're all pretty likely to get infected at some point, it's better if we spread that out over as long a period as possible, instead of all getting sick at once when there might not be enough hospital beds or breathing machines to go around. So that's why public health measures like social distancing are important. They slow the rate of infection. Say it with us now, flatten the curve. Also, we know this is a crazy time and community matters more than ever. For more on how you can help your community even while social distancing, check out the Skims Instagram for some tips. Also, if you have any tips or organizations you recommend for how other skimmers can help others, tell us about it. Call us and leave us a voicemail at 646-461-6370. Vice President, if I could just follow up. Last night was the 11th Democratic primary debate on CNN. Amidst the COVID-19 craziness, former VP Joe Biden and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders social distanced from each other and talked about how they would handle the current crisis. But later in the show, Biden made some pretty big news that's also getting some pickup today. Just to be clear, you just committed here tonight that your running mate, if you get the nomination, will be a woman? Yes. When the moderators asked Sanders if he would do the same... Uh, in all likelihood, I, I will. This wouldn't be the first time a woman has been a vice presidential candidate. But who knows, it could be the first time one is actually elected. And just so you know, the candidates are back at it again tomorrow when voters in Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio head to the polls. Which, with all the social distancing we're doing these days, doesn't sound great. But health officials in those states say they're taking extra precautions to keep the voting booths clean. We'll have more on the issues voters are facing at the polls in tomorrow's show. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact about a forgery of biblical proportions. 
Last Friday, the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. revealed that its 16 Dead Sea Scrolls are total fakes. The owners hired an independent team of art fraud investigators to find out the truth. And months later, the team said that a lot of things just weren't adding up. Like, instead of ancient parchment, the forgeries were made of leather. And that they were written using modern ink. So what was supposed to be 2,000 years old might just actually be from the early 2000s. The Dead Sea Scrolls were once part of one of the most important archaeological discoveries of the 20th century, but are now being called the most significant sham in biblical archaeology. So all the best deceptions tend to make for some really good history. And that's all for Skim This. Also, remember, we want to know how you're finding ways to help others during this time. So call us and leave us a voicemail to tell us. 646-461-6370. And don't forget, if you aren't signed up yet for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, you can do so on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 